Hello, Jonesers. I'm doing a prologue to this episode because, well, honestly, the audio is not good. Uh, We had our H1 recorder, and we were recording with my friend Terry in his basement. This is one where Matt's not in on it because it's a crazy Christian film for Jesus January. And I guess I only get one Jesus film per January because, you know, not many people want to hear him. (laughs) But anyway, there's a lot of pops in this. This uh, recorder, we didn't put the pop screen on, and I had the gain entirely too high. So it's it was a, like a raw nerve. It just caught everything. The, the P's, the B's, all those are in there. They sound terrible. I'm sorry for it. But if you can get around that, it's not a bad episode. So uh, enjoy Kirk Cameron trying to save the world. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. That was gold. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. Hey, you are Matt. No, I am Terry. Oh, or Terror Bear. Terror Bear will work. Okay, and we just got done watching uh, <laughs> Left Behind the movie. World Peace. It's been a dream ever since Cain looked sideways at Abel. Peace. In the Middle East. Now that would be a miracle. A global conspiracy. International bankers. Always the same. Follow the money, honey. For world domination. Thousands of years we've waited. Generations. And you have made it possible. Yes, my friend. Now we are ready. Until in an instant, the world is changed. Cloud 10 Pictures, in association with Namesake Entertainment, proudly present Kirk Cameron. This is insane. People don't just disappear. Brad Johnson. I know where Mom and Rainey are. Chelsea Noble. They're not here. They're not anywhere. And Clarence Gilliard. I knew your message. I knew your words. Left Behind, the movie. The future, as foretold by the Bible, has come to pass. The rapture, the vanishings, this marks the beginning of the rise of the Antichrist. So small, so easily manipulated. And he will confirm a covenant with the men for seven years. This marks the beginning of our seven years of peace. The end time prophecy has begun. The whole world will feel sympathy and love for me. They will follow me wherever I lead them. Because of you. Left behind, seeing is believing. Oh, oh man. I, I didn't invite Matt onto this one 
for the sheer fact that you know he hates these Christian films, and I've already got some lined up for him. So uh, uh, I asked, I called in a friend, and I have Terry here, the other freak that will watch these damn movies and and kind of enjoy them, especially when they're mean. But did you notice this one wasn't as mean? It definitely was not. Um, it started. It started off. Well, we'll get into it, but it started off chaotic and built up to bordering line on mean but you know it, it was it was not mean no it was it was a little soft it was almost kind of like they were playing it safe and maybe that's for a reason because they thought they could like get this out to general audiences i agree um i think it actually ended up having a limited theatrical release um i think you even made a point when we were watching it it definitely seemed like a lifetime movie definitely um i guess we'll just get into our history with it uh i have none i have never watched a left behind i did not know this was a book and on other research i found out that nicholas cage starred in a 2014 film which was you know this film uh which blew my mind but i did watch growing pains so <laughs> i guess that counts did you have a history at all um, growing pains and, and I have, uh, skimmed the Bible. Yes. Skimmed. <laughs> like, you know, there's words in it kind of skimmed. <laughs> yes. Genesis. There we go. Uh, and then next is Exodus. We've tricked you. This is actually going to be Bible study. Wasn't that special. Oh, it's the church lady. She, she knows a lot. Yeah. Let's, let's pop this tape in. Now playing at a motion picture theater near you. We just got dealt some great trailers. One particular where like excitement just blew up. Uh, the first one was Revelation dot dot dot. The book is opened. The book has been opened. Yes, it's starring Jeff Fahey from The Lawnmower Man. Uh, have you ever seen that? I have not. <laughs> oh, that's a treat. That is that is something that every every human should watch and try to process that. Um, but that's not the one that blew our mind. Trailer number two, Tribulation, was I can't, I can't even put into words how excited I am to watch this movie. Yeah, it started, and then you see Gary Busey's face pop up, and like both of us just exploded in excitement. Um, who else was in it? It was Oh Howie Mandel. Yeah. And can you explain to them his shitty, uh, what was he wearing? Um, it was a wig. He sort of looked like a pimp. Um, but I can't imagine he was a pimp in a movie called Tribulation. I would guess that he is like an undercover detective Jesus person. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't even know what Gary Busey was doing in it, but I, it was fun watching him yell. <laughs> he's just like no you think i'm gonna wreck my life yeah they did give a slight tease of what has to be a great gary Busey uh monologue and i can't i cannot wait to see a gary Busey monologue tied in to a jesus movie it's pretty much the the greatest movie probably ever made <laughs> and then the third one which we think is a sequel to tribulation it's called Judgment, and uh, this had a, we we reacted mildly, but when it's it's Corbin Bernstein, which has done so much shitty <laughs> movies, but we did see Mr. T in it, which it got, you know we were a little excited. Yeah. Yes, and 
Um, the reason why we think it's a, a sequel to Tribulation is because in Tribulation, they show a lady about to die via the guillotine. And in Judgment, she also dies via the guillotine. Yeah. Like the church symbolism, they love to put the guillotine in. I don't know. It was, it was very shiny. <laughs> it was. I'm not sure it had been used before. Brand new guillotine that they got probably at Menards. Yes. Yeah. And uh, to help us get through this, we've got our uh, Pipeworks beer here. Here's a little cheers. <laughs> You've got to be drinking when you go through a Jesus film. <laughs> uh, okay. Feature presentation time. And now, our feature presentation. One of the things right away when we started to watch this is, this movie is motoring. <laughs> and it's trying to tell a ridiculous amount of plot. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. Um, there was plots coming at you from all angles, um, much like the planes were coming at the beginning of the movie from all angles. <laughs> I believe there were more planes at the beginning of this movie than participated on D-Day. Yeah, and they were um, they were shitty CG. I mean, really bad. This looked like someone straight out of college got their first job for it. Yeah, it kind of seemed like it was an Atari version of of, <laughs> of animation. Oh, that's rough. It, it was because we just started cracking up. It, it, it this film, it, they spent a lot of money on this. I don't remember what the budget was, but I remember at one time there was a quote where like it's the biggest biggest budgeted Christian you know movie at the time. So I imagine. Let me look this up. I don't know. What was you, your guess on this? How much do you think this cost? I'm going to go... $7 million. $7 million. That's a pretty good guess. Let's see here. It's a Canadian film. Well, then I'd have to go 60% of that. <laughs> $4 million. So that would be about 60% of that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you think $4 million. I, I don't know. Maybe in 2000, it was a lot more expensive. But this, it was really bad. But it starts out with Kirk Cameron, whose uh, character's name is Buck. And he is a reporter for GNN. With with the exact font. font branding of CNN. Yeah. So it's, you know, God's News Network, maybe. We don't know. That's what I assume. Let's just go with that. Um, and they are uh, they're discussing something with, like, a scientist who created a way to solve um, world hunger. Yeah. He has a... A farm of wheat in the middle of the Israeli desert, um, which is clearly a miracle of God. Yeah, and probably uh, recorded in Iowa or something, <laughs> or Canada. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, then they are, like, grabbed and put underneath a barn, which has a war room that is straight out of, like, another movie. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, all these planes are attacking Israel and they just start blowing up. <clears throat> yeah, it, there's about um, three dr three bombs, four bombs maybe that hit hit the ground, and then all of the planes just start exploding in the sky. Um, no missiles are being fired at them, and like Steve said, this war room that they're in, this war bunker, is better than like a war bunker at the White House. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. They have like all the, all these like futuristic television, futuristic for 2000. So pretty much normal now, <laughs> but I assume maybe, I don't know. Uh, and, and then we get uh, Kirk Cameron 
Uh, oh no, we meet the pilot's family at this point, right? Um, I think we really do need to talk about how Kirk Cameron runs back out into the war zone oh. to film himself in in the uh, midst of these planes blowing up, which then gets teleported back to or teleported as a bad transmitted back to Chicago um, on the GNN network. <laughs> This is Buck Williams reporting live from Israel. I am standing in the middle of an all-out attack. The sun is gone. Thousands of planes are soaring overhead. Fire is raining from the sky. This is just unbelievable. This has got to be the biggest surprise attack since Pearl Harbor. I've been informed by top-ranking military officials that Israel has been unable to launch even a single plane in defense. Buck would have filmed Hiroshima from ground zero if he'd been there. Yeah, that's our buck. That as I stand here, fighter planes are exploding in midair. They're crashing and falling to the ground without any explanation. And while no one can seem to give me any reason for why this is happening, I can tell you this. This all-out, unprecedented attempt to destroy Israel appears to be failing. And for whatever reason that we don't know why, but where it's being teleported or broadcast, um, it's a screensaver. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I, huh? I, I don't know. It just there was the TV, and above and below it, it said screensaver. So we're not really sure what that was about. No, uh, yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, that that buck, that's our buck. He would he would go out in the middle of D Day to to get himself on camera and, and do his story." Yeah, because he is all about finding the truth, the truth, and that's all in caps. Believe me. Uh, yeah. Then we meet the the pilot, who has a wife and two kids. Uh, he has an older daughter, I would say. I I don't know. She is she like playing an eighteen year old? Yeah, something pretty close to that. I would say definitely. Yeah, and then a little, was it a girl or a boy? A boy and a girl, a wife, and a $5 million home. Oh, yeah, that was a ridiculous house. Uh, and then his black friend comes over, who we find out is from Walker, Texas Ranger. Yes, he actually is like a pastor um, who is on Walker, Texas Ranger. I believe he was a helper on Matlock as well. And was die hard. die hard and the sundown on uh, Top Gun. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Doesn't he help sing the song? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun. We actually, when we looked, looked him up while watching the movie, it was just like, like, oh, this makes this film a lot better. It definitely did. It brought a lot of uh, credibility and... And I say that I say that as I'm laughing. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know how much they paid him, but the the pilot four million dollars. Yeah, it all went to him. <laughs> Kirk Cameron's like, you don't have to pay me. God's paying me. Yes. Yeah, and actually, we find out in this movie, it is all about the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At the end, yeah. Yes. So we made this pilot. The actor's name is Brad Johnson, and uh, not the football player. No, no, not the quarterback who won the Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Good for me. Um, no one else gives a shit. <laughs> but so he's he's mad. He's an angry pilot because his wife now goes to church. Yeah, and he doesn't. In fact, he doesn't. 
Um, not only that, but he also has a, an affair with his stewardess who apparently is on every single flight with him. Yeah. So they're, they're getting down and she's like, you know, I, I need you to give me a reason to stay or I'm going to go to the UN. Yeah. Because I think, um, if you are a flight attendant and you are applying for jobs, the next job that you apply for is, um, not only UN, but the special assistant to the leader of the UN. Yeah. I think stewardess is, um, kind of like the, the, the jumping off point to get to the UN or the Washington DC. Yeah. The, the Washington DC. <laughs> yeah. They definitely, um, I guess they, would they refer to the UN more like a country? I was like, we're going to the UN today. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to join the United Nations or anything like that. They're like, uh, we're going to go to the UN. It's almost like when people say like, I'm going to have the sex and you're like, why do you say it like you're an alien? Or like when your mom would say, don't do the marijuana. Yeah. What are you, an alien mom? So he's mad. Um, and, th- and they're flying this plane that has Kirk Cameron in it. And, um, or Buck. And, and, Buck. Yeah. He's why the Buck. That's not a name for a reporter. Well, neither neither is Wolf. A Wolf Blitzer. Or what's his name? Is that it? That's yeah. It. Um I watch CNN or GNN. <laughs> uh so he the people start disappearing on the plane and that's finally when this story cuz what we not mentioning is this is like 25 minutes in and it's boring but finally people start disappearing on the plane and you're like okay finally something's happening because before this i I think uh buck like got visited by a conspiracy theorist which we thought hopefully would come back to the story uh i was questioning if it would but terry was like no he's coming back and you were right i was right i was definitely right yeah and uh, well, I was hoping they wouldn't waste screen time on it and just drop them. But I never know with these Christian films because they're not exactly edited well. Well, if there's one thing I know is that they will always rise again. Oh, 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 oh yes. Uh, three days later. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may not happen in this movie because the, uh, the, the time frames in this were like incredibly crazy weird you know um i believe at one point kurt cameron sat outside for what's i mean it was two minutes in the movie but 14 hours in 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 the in real time well i thought you were going to say at the beginning because they kept saying they they would put like six o'clock new york 601 jerusalem 602 israel and we're like why are you doing this but yeah uh, so after all the um, People disappear on the flight and people freak out. The pilot says, you know what? We're turning this around. And we also notice that this was definitely pre 9-11 because <laughs> between the passengers and the pilot is like a thin piece of like shitty plastic. Yes. Yeah. And, but you know what? I give them credit. At least the uh, inside of the airplane looked like a pretty good set. Yeah. I, I, it probably was an actual airplane. Yeah, I, I do wonder if someone gave him permission because when the drunk was trying to escape the plane after everyone disappeared, that looked like a real, uh, a real airplane um, 
the I don't know door yes. the hatch yeah and the, a lot of shitty movies I've watched they like remake an airplane and they make it way too big the cabin where it's unrealistic this one seemed legit so good for them I guess they end up landing the plane back in Chicago Chicago yes. yeah Kirk Cameron sits outside and the guy goes in and uh, he finds out that his son is dead and his wife is gone and then he Yes, the pilot. Yeah, uh, Kirk Cameron is sitting outside because the pilot gave Kirk Cameron a ride back to his house, his $5 million mansion. And uh, he's sitting on his bed, and he picks up a Bible and throws it against the mirror. And I guess he's blaming God? Yeah, I think um, this is where we find out um, his wife is a Christian, um, and clearly he is not. And this is where we first start to piece together what could be happening to, or what what is um, the reason for either the people being abducted or the people that are stranded behind or left behind. Left behind. Yeah, I love it when they find the uh, uh, Kirk Cameron like drops the title. He's just like, "What's the difference between the people uh, who went up and the people who were left?" Behind, I wish you would have looked at the camera. <laughs> yes, that was the only, really, the only thing that was missing. Yes, this is the funny time thing we were talking about. This guy's like weeping over his dead wife, and he's attempting to read the Bible, but then it like cuts back to Kurt Cameron just like sitting there, and then it cuts back to the guy like weeping over the Bible, and then it fades to black. And we joked, wouldn't it be funny if he like it takes him like a week to read the Bible, and then it cuts back out, and Kurt Cameron's still outside, and no shit, they did it. Like he's reading the Bible, and then it cuts back out, and it's dark outside, and Kurt Cameron's still sitting. <laughs> yeah, to which then there is a um, curfew order by the government and some government, of, uh, or not government, um, military officials roll up in a Humvee Jeep thing and Kirk Cameron Buck runs up and says, oh, I need to get to New York. And they pull a gun on him and make him go back in, inside, to which he can't go inside because he hasn't been asked to come inside. So he just, I guess, sits back on the porch where he's been sitting for 12 to 14 hours. Yeah, he's like a vampire. He has to be invited in. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the pilot's older daughter, does she let him in? Yeah. Um, you know what? No. He never is let. Uh, no one ever brings him in. Um, she ends up sitting on the couch, and he's sleeping there. Oh, that's right. And she gets scared. And pulls a vase out to, to defend herself. Yeah, cause it, yeah, and I mean he's sitting there, laying there, and, he, and he's Kirk Cameron. He he's not exactly threatening. Well, I mean, he's threatening now, but in the movie, his character isn't threatening. Right, character is not threat. His character is not threatening. Yes, and they immediately sit together on the couch and fall in love because that's the way this movie is. They don't kiss or anything, but you could tell right away they're like giving each other googly eyes. Yeah, I think if we were to watch the sequel and then the the third part of the trilogy here um there may be a there may be wedding vows oh yeah i hope so and did you, i think by the end of the film she starts in the beginning she starts with a nose ring i think by the end it's gone it, it was gone and she was much more proper and we will talk about about i'm sure we'll get into the belief in god and finding themselves yeah there is something really interesting about this movie uh maybe a lot more christian films do it but i'm i'm used to the god's not dead where they're like brutally mean but in this one 
it's almost like the belief they were trying really hard to put it in the background like it was just a a, a secondary thought yeah i think um if, if i had to describe this movie i would say that it was a a sermon or something that builds up because starts really slow builds up and then at the end it's like god is here and he will save you yeah i yes i i could see that that's exactly what it was it was like a slow burn to like the like god is good and I, I guess, like, as many Christian films as I've watched, I like this approach much better because I think it can be more effective. I mean, this film's not exactly good, so that's a problem. I don't think any, hardly any of these Christian films are what you'd consider good, but most of them are horrifically bad. Yeah, I mean, this is... I mean, I'd watch the second one. Like, it's 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 good enough to it's it's got my attention. I'm I'm going for the number two. Oh yeah, it's it, we're going for the trilogy, baby. Terror Bear is down for all three, <laughs> and he's down for tribulation. Oh, definitely tribulation, definitely. Uh so oh man, I forgot where we're at. Um, I think, uh so the stewardess ends up joining the UN, but she also goes back to the pilot's house. Are we skipping some scenes? Oh, we're skipping the, um, let me look at my notes here. Cause there's a lot going on in this film, which is very confusing. Okay. The pilot, one of my notes is the pilot looks like a knockoff of Tom Berenger. Yes. And then my next note is the, the pilot. You said the pilot looks like a poor man's Ron Riggle. Oh, that was the, the, no, that was not the other pilot. The other pilot. Yes. Um, Kirk Cameron, buddy, pays um a, a another pilot who's the friend of a pilot who does a charter a private charter flight he pays him 25 25,000 yeah 25,000 dollars for 48 hours of flight time since all flights were grounded at that time but apparently just private charter flights can fly even though all air air flight is grounded yeah, I guess this is like one of those smooth-talking pilots. So he gets up in the air, and th- this is the whole, like, where the title drop is. Because Terry and I figured out what happened, I-, I would say, 20 minutes in. I would agree. Yeah, 20 minutes in. Yeah. So, um, but of course, no one else can figure this out. And he's just like, well, what does everyone have in common that left? And they're like, well, it's all children. And if you don't get it by that point that like the innocent left and then the people who believed in God, they try to question that at one point because uh, the pilot's friend, Brad Johnson pilot, the main pilot, his friend was a preacher and he couldn't figure out why he hadn't been taken and in a pretty comical church scene where he drops to his knees and goes, no. Yeah. He throws a, uh, like a rock or something and like destroys the cross all doing some hopping over some benches and pews. And, but he's really showing off those, the ability to kick those legs like he did in Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. And he's even wearing cowboy boots. Did you notice that? He was, he definitely was. Yeah. I, I, at this point, you, you kind of get the film, um, and the stewardess who is now working for the UN uh, now comes back to the pilot, visit him at his house, and this is where the pilot, Brad Johnson, tells her, like, I'm starting to find God and understanding why my wife was chosen. Yeah, and um, she, you know, is fighting hard to continue their relationship, 
and you know this is also the time where his um brad johnson the the uh, pilot's daughter is sitting on the stairs and of course can hear the whole conversation so finds out that he was having an affair on his on her mom his wife um and eventually he says nope you can go i'm finding god and we can't be a thing and so she goes to the un yeah she gets in the jeep driven by the random army guy uh you know what i bet these filmmakers all their friends were pretending to be the army people yeah and and I think even you pointed out at one point, one of the army people had blue jeans on. <laughs> yeah. So yes, this is, I guess they thought no one would notice, but in the airport, he's holding a, um, I don't know, like a AR-15 and he's sitting there and he's got his helmet on, he's got his camo on the top. And then I looked and I'm almost for, sh- I, I'm like 90% sure he was wearing blue jeans. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, so you must be a reserve. <laughs> uh, so it, <laughs> Kirk Cameron basically, I mean, to fast forward a little bit of this, because we got all the good stuff out of the way. Kirk Cameron ends up going to the UN because he's friends with the stewardess, who is now the assistant to the president of the un or whatever um and he goes there and he breaks the story wide open because he goes back to his conspiracy theory friend to find um i don't know his little microchip he was carrying yeah he he, um downloaded a bunch of information off of a person's computer that had all these the information and plans of what they had planned to do and i think um I think the one part we skipped is where they go, or he goes to his his coworkers and they funnel and figure out kind of the whole plot where um, they're planning to build a new temple, and the temple and that that crop of wheat in the Israeli desert were all kind of coming together, and um, they also visit like the pastor that talk that shows the gospel passages that link like 10 years of or seven Seven years years, seven years of peace and there's like one antichrist that thinks he's christ and the leader and i don't know you have to read the bible for all that but it all starts to come together and when he gets to the un um he he realizes that all that scripture has come true yeah there was a lot of stuff going on in that little room where he shows the one preacher's three-year-old video where he predicts exactly what's going to happen. They get into this giant meeting at the UN because Buck has broke open the story, which ends up helping the UN leader who is quote unquote, maybe the antichrist. It appears he is. And he's got 10 nations, 10 nations. Yeah. 10 nations around the table. And he's telling them like, Hey, all of you, will be part of this to you know help the world yada 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 and they're gonna bring they're gonna build where were they gonna build the um mosque or whatever uh the temple is gonna be right next to the mosque in jerusalem so it wasn't going to um, disrupt world peace and they were gonna have again the 10 nations that control it was 10 nations across the earth the world that would i guess control their regions for world peace so he just tells them that, and then the two other guys who are conspiring against him were like, we made you, Nikolai. Was that his name, Nikolai? Yeah, yeah Nikolai. 
Yeah, something. I cannot remember his last name. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the, the actor who plays Nikolai, the leader of the UN, was from Puppet Master 4 and 5, which I was like, yes! And, and he was definitely loving being the leader there. He, you, you even made the comment, Mr. Burns. Yeah, he was like he had his hands together at points when he was walking, like excellent. <laughs> this guy was love loving being a bad guy, yeah. and I was kind of enjoying watching him. Oh yeah, I thought he was actually um, probably the best character on in the film. Yeah, I would agree. He he definitely knew that he was in a bad film, so he's just like, I'm gonna ham this up. I love that though. I love when B movies or these Christian films they get one person who's just like, "What's wrong with all you people? Let's let's just we can't do this in any most other films. Let's just fucking be nuts." Take advantage of the situation, man. You gotta just just go for it. Nikolai, these people will know that I fear no one, that I fear nothing, that I will succeed at anything I set my mind to, without the slightest hesitation or opposition. From this day forward, no one can stand against me. That's the kind of power you lusted for, Jonathan. Don't worry. This will be completely painless. After all, I am not a monster. <laughs> Please. I was so shocked when I saw Mr. Stonegal rush the guard, take his gun, and murder his dear friend, Mr. Cotron, in cold blood. Then, to watch him turn the gun on himself, it seemed inconceivable. But Jonathan was a troubled man, plagued by guilt and fear. And when he heard that Mr. Williams was about to expose him, he knew it was over. He knew that his hideous and evil plan would come out and that his life, his legacy, everything he worked so long and hard for would be ruined. Uh, he sits around a table and he kills the two people who are conspiring against him. And then he's like doing a Jedi mind trick where he's just like, oh no, it was terrible that he took the gun and shot his friend and then shot himself. And everyone's like, yes, yes, it was. Yeah, he even did like the the hand motion like people would follow him and sit down and tilt their heads with him and um the one thing i didn't get is that he had the 10 people representing the 10 nations he kills these two people so now they're down to eight representing 10 nations and we've only got about which we didn't know about five minutes left in this movie no no one took over for these two countries, but apparently they're going to have world peace even with just eight people representing ten nations. Well, Terror Bear, that's why we've got two more. <laughs> and uh, who knows what's going to happen, what Kirk Cameron's going to have to do. But I do hope that Kirk Cameron eventually has to put on... Uh, you know, like a, a, a Rambo um, bandana and like go to town. I, I was just thinking that. Like, I just want to turn on the second one right now and see just Kirk Cameron, like, with like 50 more pounds of muscle, just like jacked and just ready to just go on a rampage. Yeah, no one knows that he gets into like super shape like Chris Evans did for <laughs> the first adventure. <laughs> and he's just like, it's time to kill the devil. <laughs> It's like, why, why did your accent change, Buck? 
That's where they put me in the in the field, man. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not fucking around in the field. Um, but I mean that that ends, uh, and they have a church like shot where I was like, wow, that's really epic. The odd thing that we both noticed and actually kind of started humming at the end is the the ending credits song was like a ripoff of Backstreet Boys. Yeah, the music was definitely Backstreet Boys ish and sync ish. I mean, I think I called it Church Street Boys. Yeah. Um, I think the 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 one part we had we do have to talk about is that as they're walking into the church, you know, they're saying that there's going to be seven years of of which is supposed to be seven years of peace, but he's saying that it's going to be the worst seven years of our lives, and God will will show us the way. And he walks in, and I cannot help but say as this movie's coming out george w bush is coming into presidency <laughs> and the seven next seven years were ultimate hell oh i see what you did there i was wondering it's like where is he going oh oh but then what would you call what we're putting up with now <laughs> with trump well, we have not seen parts two and three of this trilogy. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope Trump's in at least number three. At least. We will see. I don't know. Because you know how he feels about the UN. And the UN plays a major role in this trilogy. Oh, what if Trump is the savior? He destroys the UN. I will jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Extreme. I like it. Uh, that'll pretty much end it, but uh, let's let's go on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. It belongs in a museum. So do you. All right, this is the part of the show where we put something in, uh, good or bad. We're just like Indy. We go out there and we bring it back to put it in our wing of the museum. And this wing of the museum is going to be the uh, Christian films. Uh, hopefully one day we get to Muslim films, but right now we just only we only have a Christian wing. Terry, I'm going to put the pressure on you because I don't know what to put in yet. So uh, what do you got for the museum? I'm definitely going with the conspiracy theorist guy. Um, I don't know his name. And I don't know what he said in his main... He had two roles in this movie. He he came in about seven minutes into the movie, ten minutes into the movie, and talked this whole game of conspiracy theory. And I couldn't tell you what he said or what it was about, but he played a great conspiracy theorist, lots of anxiety, a cigarette that wasn't lit, mumbling, jumbling all over the place. And then the other part, he was just shot and he didn't have any words so he was just found dead in his apartment but i'm putting him in there i mean if you're going to be a conspiracy theorist i can be a crazy psycho conspiracy theorist and and he was that i did like it when uh, buck walks into his um house apartment whatever it was and he had like all the newspapers rolled up and then like put against the wall like like he's like i'm organized but i'm also a slob yes <laughs> uh and okay you know what i'm gonna put a character in too i think i have to put in nikolai the hamming it up un leader who's just like hey everybody what's wrong with you act like you're in a bad movie and he is he is going to town he, you put him in front of a camera and he's like i'm just trying to do the best i can for this world and then the camera shuts off and he's like it's time to go to work <laughs> and i think when he's evil his accent is more pronounced 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, when he was trying to be um, the good guy with with Kirk Cameron, it was hardly there. And then as as he's killing people, um, it 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 was very Eastern European. Yeah, I loved it. All right, thanks for listening uh, to our one of our random uh, bonus episodes that we'll do, and we won't put poor Matt through. We'll uh, we'll take Tear Bear here, who's fake Matt. We're just gonna call you the the Christian Matt. Oh yeah, I like that. Peace be with you. Ooh, look at you. So remember to rate and review us on iTunes, any of that stuff. I don't know, subscribe, Podbean. You can email the show if you have any suggestions at analogjonestof at gmail. And uh, yeah, I think that about does it. Oh, our YouTube channel. We keep putting these trailers up. Uh, it seems like you, uh, most of you like it, and a couple random jackasses around the world find us too and then put a bad comment on there. Like, why are you putting these up? They're terrible quality yeah it's a vhs capture you ass (laughs) what do you think it's gonna be great but anyway uh we have a lot of fun with it remember to be kind and rewind hi i'm kirk cameron and i hope that you enjoyed watching left behind the movie as much as i love being a part of it Now, chances are you watch this movie because you read the book that it's based on, or you know somebody who has. Either way, you are part of a very select group of people, and that group makes up less than 1% of the population in this country. That's why we're doing things a little differently with this movie. We have chosen to release it on video first before bringing it to the theaters so that you and everyone else who sees it will have a chance to see the quality of the production and the power of the message this movie contains. Why? Because we want you to get excited about the movie. We want you to tell everyone you know that they need to come see it. I mean, let's face it, if we had opened the movie in theaters first, then you probably would have seen it, if it happened to be playing in your area. And so would many of the other 1% who are watching this video right now. But what about the other 99% of the country? That's what the Left Behind Film Project is all about. Sharing this story and its powerful message with as many people as we possibly can. So here's our goal. On February 2nd, 2001, the movie comes out, and we want Left Behind to be opening in theaters from coast to coast. In fact, we want to make sure that it opens in every single city in America. Now think about that. Every city in America. Can you imagine the kind of impact that that will have on people? And if we achieve this goal and then fill those theaters with people, we will be doing more than just sharing the most incredible story ever told with millions of people. We will also be sending a wake-up call to Hollywood. We will be telling them that there is an audience for films with a strong spiritual message. And we all know what that could mean. If Hollywood thinks there's an audience, they will deliver what that audience wants. We could literally be bursting the doors open for future Left Behind films and other films like it. This is our chance. But the fact is, we really need your help to do that. We need you to tell everyone you can about the February 2nd theatrical release. We need you to hang posters. We need you to pass out flyers and to literally tell everyone you know about this movie. And if the movie is not sponsored in your community yet, we need you to try to make that happen too. So talk to your church or talk to your Christian bookstore. Talk to anyone you know who might be interested in being a part of this. In short, we would like you to join us and become part of the Left Behind Film Project. You can find all the details by going to our special Left Behind Film Project website or by writing to the address that we'll put up in a minute. Thanks a lot.